0: you <laughs> From talkradio.nyc, welcome to At Home. I'm David Theergartner, interior designer and owner of David Theergartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, have a holly holly Christmas. My guest tonight is renowned florist and the owner of Gramercy Park Flower Shop, Tom Sackis. Tonight's show is all about floral design, flowers, obviously, and trying to go beyond poinsettias as we decorate our homes for Christmas. Tom and I are going to talk all about, the, about bringing the beauty of nature into our homes, and I want to compare designing houses and homes and interiors with designing floral arrangements what Tom and I as designers of different mediums have in common and what are the parallels in our design process, how we see color and composition. And I want to discuss the ideas of that dynamic line and floral arrangements and how that corresponds with the movement and the fluidity and spacing in interior design. I also love the visual, aesthetic energy that only a breathtaking flower arrangement can induce compared with the elegance and the function and the comfort of home. And we can't forget about color. How lucky for Tom that he gets to work each and every day with endless varieties of color. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get started. Flowers are most certainly one of nature's most perfect designs, one of mother's nature's perfect little paintings. They are quite simply irresistible, really, aren't they? I think for most of us, it's almost impossible not to pick a wild flower and hold it in our hands. It is most certainly beguiling. The simplicity of the blossom is devious, and the variation of color is artful. The delicacy of the petals are quite simply profound, and yet, at the same time, it has the audacity to be shameless in its beauty. Flowers are as mysterious to me as the universe I think for a lot of us, it is truly the first recognition of seeing something beautiful, something that stirs our senses, something that has the power to make the curious and busy toddler stop in their impatient little tracks. The majesty of a flower. I certainly know for me, I, I truly believe that a home is not complete without flowers, And flowers don't always have to be the center of attention. In a well-designed home, flowers should enhance the interior, be that perfect little detail, that perfect bit of jewelry. Flowers should be as natural inside our homes as they are outside. And that's why I have renowned florist Tom Sackis here, the owner of Gramercy Park Flower Shop, and I want Tom to bring the art of flower arrangements to a new level of distinction. And I'm excited to talk to to Tom, yes, maybe uh, for selfish reasons, because I too love flowers. I love gardens, and I love my garden, and anyone who knows me knows that I have a thing for flowers, and I have a great passion for dahlias. And it's not that I just love growing flowers, but flowers are such a great design teacher, too. For one, they inspire us. It's as if they challenge us to be as good as they are. And then, of course, they teach us about composition and scale. They are a tremendous study in texture combinations and color harmony. So next time, truly, truly stop and see the design ideas from one single rose or one field of wildflowers, and most certainly from a spectacular flower arrangement. So I want to talk to Tom all about it. I want to bring flowers inside. I want to compare designing homes and designing flower arrangements. I want to know what Tom and I have in common. What are the parallels in our design process? How we see color and composition, I want to discuss the idea that dynamic line in a floral arrangement and compare it with movement and fluidity and spacing of interior design. I want to better understand the visual aesthetic energy that a beautiful flower arrangement can induce with the elegance and the function and the comfort of home. And what about color? How lucky for Tom to work each and every day with endless varieties of color. I personally adore monochromatic flower arrangements. One specific color represented in so many possibilities, different textures and endless shades and qualities of each and every flower. One single bud, one open blossom, one cluster of berries, one subtle shade of a petal with one darker rich shade of a bud. E pluribus unum, from many shades and textures to one terribly impressive arrangement. What we can learn from flowers seem endless, and since we are only a couple of weeks away from Christmas and everyone is so busy decorating their homes, I want to talk about I want to talk to Tom about new ideas about incorporating flowers and the bounty of nature into our holiday decor. So let's tiptoe through the tulips. Let's stop and pick a bunch of daisies and let's design our homes with the audacity of a beautiful rose. Let's have a holly, holly Christmas. When we come back, my conversation with renowned florist Tom Sackis from Gramercy Park Flower Shop, located at the Plaza Hotel. Tom and I are going to explore the endless design possibility that only flowers can provide. Oh, and I do want to talk about Christmas. I want to go beyond poinsettias and bring the beauty of nature into our Christmas decorations. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner. And we'll be back in two minutes.
1: Oh, tip through the window, by the window, that is where I'll be, come tip-tow through the tulips with me. Oh, tip-tow from the
2: garden, by the garden,
3: Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
0: My guest tonight, Master Florist Tom Sackis. Tom, welcome to At Home. I'm so happy to have you here. Hey, David. How are you? I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad. We have a great show, and there's so much to talk about. So I start each and every show asking each guest what their meaning of beauty is, and more specifically, what is beautiful inside their home. Your full concept of beauty, Yep. Correct,
4: because if something grabs my, my attention and it doesn't bother me, for the most part, I would think that's an, a beautiful item.
0: And is there anything specifically in your house that, uh, that is uh, beautiful to you or that maybe you've had for a while or that you wouldn't think of departing from? Well, as
4: far as items go... There we go, your mic is all set up now. Yeah, as far as the items go, I would think that I have um, a couple of paintings that I really like of sailboats and stuff, but honestly, the most beautiful thing in my family, in my home, is my family, That is the way that I would answer that question.
0: Absolutely beautiful, and you're not the first one who has answered that question that way. You are New York City's, one of New York City's renowned florists, um... And I'm interested in your business. I know it's a, it's a, you have an incredible history, but um, you know, could you just tell us about how it's been passed on through your family and how you still maintain your passion for being a florist and owning uh, and owning a floral, the one of the biggest floral shops in New York.
4: Well, I started in the flower business. Well, let me give you a quick history of my family. Please do, yeah. Um, my grandfather and his brother opened up a flower cart coming from Greece in uh, 1903 or so on Union Square. 1904, they signed their first lease right on the corner of 21st Street and 3rd Avenue, and um, they opened up a a flower shop. So it's
0: over 100 years.
4: It's over 100 years, That is so exciting. And... um, from that point on my father and my uncle took it from the, from their father and uncle and <clears throat> then I took it from them pretty much. I'm the last survivor of the Sacasis. It's
0: looking that way. <laughs> I think we all are worried about those types of things. So I mean like so I started in a furniture store. Can I just kind of think that you started in a flower shop? I mean were you there on Saturdays? Were you helping? Were you sweeping the floor? I
4: was totally there as a kid. I was there throughout high school, working on weekends. Whenever the holidays came around, I was there helping my father and my uncle. Um, When I was in college, I was coming back in the summer and working there. So pretty much I was handling flowers from the time I was about 10 years old.
0: Unbelievable. Those are rare stories even today. I think that's outstanding. So since there's a business that is has such longevity and it's been such a big part of your life and you've seen so many trends and so many phases and seen so many things happen, how do you stay current today? How do you know uh, what's important in the flower business and, and, and what the trends are and what people are looking for you to provide them?
4: I would guess I would say as a floral designer, I notice everything to do with flowers and nature just when I'm walking around. So as I'm walking around, I may in the corner of my eye see an amazing arrangement or maybe it may not be uh, amazing, but it would bring me to it. I would go over, take a quick look at it and then walk away and then I would do the same thing pretty much all over the place. If I see a garden outside and I see a combination of flowers or plants that I've never seen put together in a garden and it, it totally attracts me, I would go, wow, and I would go over there, stand there and study it. And from viewing all of these items that everybody views in more of a skilled fashion, right? I personally pick and choose what I think I like and then I I try to bring it to my customers and to my staff and try to change things up and make things
0: different. And so that that those inspirations are still powerful to you and it's sort of a natural part of your everyday, right? You you're just constantly absorbing what's in front of you, color combinations, flower arrangements, how nature put things together, and you keep kind of indexing that in your head, I guess, in your design in your design head.
4: All the time. Yeah. All looks, the time.
0: I mean, I guess we should keep like a chalkboard with marks on it because there I would say would be, you know, one of our first parallels, right, of how you see things and how I see things. I do that all day. There's nothing that goes beyond my vision, right? I'm, I look at everything and study everything. Um, Is and
4: a, I have a beautiful example of something that happened this summer, okay. or later in the summer, which was a very interesting experience to me. I went hiking with my kids. And we were in a whole green area. And then the next thing I know, my daughter yells, look at all that yellow. And we happened to be on Shelter Island. And there is a field of yellow solidago that must go for at least a quarter of a mile or half a mile. It was just yellow upon yellow upon yellow. How beautiful. And, and with, the, with the trees in the background and the rocks and everything, I was like, Wow solidago is just a common flower but you see what happens when you're looking at it in this venue
0: in mass
4: in mass and just so everybody
0: knows that's mustard weed
4: it's mustard weed yeah mustard weed i think we're all used to
0: seeing it but never in that kind of just a long huge pasture of it
4: we were walking for at least 15 minutes nonstop looking at the yellow solidago with the deep red and orange tones. It was later in the summer and it was just spectacular. And, and right there was just a regular day hike that turned around and, and said, wow, you see what flowers did. Flowers just brightened up the day pretty much.
0: I I, th- I think so too. And I think stumbling upon when they're at their peak or when they're ready to show themselves to the world is Always incredibly The perfect time. I mean,
4: the prettiest time of a flower is pretty much a few hours before it's going to die is when it's
0: shining at its best. Unbelievable phenomenon about that. Listen, you've been in the flower industries for so long. Can you just tell, I'm just kind of interested in, are there flowers or more specifically flower arrangements that or flowers in particular that you used a lot on the early days that uh, you don't use anymore or that you're using now? I mean, do you, have you felt yourself move through um, different sort of uh, fashions and different sort of trends. And can you just talk about how that has been over your course of decades in the flower industry?
4: Oh, definitely. That's a big, big change. When I first started working in the industry, we were literally cleaning daisies and selling them for $3 a bunch Uh on the street. And that's how I started. Our our family flower business was a traditional, full-fledged, on-the-corner, very busy flower shop, there were no fruit stands, there were no Costco's, there were no stop and shops. There was no, the, the availability to get flowers was to go to the flower shop. Um, then what happened, which was is just an interesting thing, is that you started to see flowers pop up all over the streets. And I guess I was working in the business at that point for about two or three years full time with my father and uncle, and what I had noticed was what they were getting nervous and what I had noticed is they were all carrying all the common flowers that people like buying all the time, which would make sense because that's what they would want to sell. That's what we were selling as well. So I turned to my father and I said, listen, um, I think the thing to do is to carry top quality common type flowers but slowly go away and let's just carry beautiful exotic flowers that these people don't offer. At that time, my, it took about a year, but we switched the whole type of business that we were doing. We totally upgraded the flowers. We used them as a tool for people to look at flowers, but when they wanted something very nice, they came to us and that's when the family business kind of took a turn and became more of a modern, high-end, more focused on service and design than just selling the flowers. Because other people were just selling flowers. It was a very interesting thing to watch as a young adult uh, to be in the middle of a transformation of a business.
0: Yeah, and you know that kind of explains the name of the shop too: Gramercy Park Flower Shop. Flower Shop has all that older tradition of what you just described, selling flowers for someone to walk past and grab and pick. That's a flower shop. And now, you know, at the Plaza Hotel, you are so much more than a... uh, common sort of corner flower shop right but the name still is the name which is so wonderful too right for the family the tradition the name is the name is it possible for a flower to design itself in other words can in the process of designing can you lead with like you know you're you're at the market. And you see this amazing sort of uh, collection of flowers that you want. Can you start with the, you know, with the flower? It's so beautiful; it just tells you what else is supposed to happen around it.
4: Definitely. Um, sometimes we order flowers, we we purchase flowers, we see flowers, and then when you see whatever season it is, a particular type of flower or a particular variety of flower coming in that's really amazing you then or i would then generally look for things that would go well with that flower in order to give the, what i we would consider the most pretty flower at that time so yeah flowers totally move you in the direction that you're going to design as the seasons change
0: i mean i always think about it from like you know from being in a client and Um, you know they have their existing uh, parents beautiful sideboard or a beautiful rug that's been passed down through generations or a piece of art right and I feel like you you need to start with some sort of inspiration like that and a flower just seems to remind me of that amazing painting that someone has over their fireplace and the rooms start to speak to that whole thing what is you know if dahlias are my favorite flower and they are what's your favorite flower my
4: favorite favorite flower is the and an enemy. An, an okay, straight up. I love the colors. I love the uh, the center. You see them photographed all the time up close. Um, I love the fact that you put them in water and they open. It's like instant gratification. Do you want um, to describe
0: that for everybody? So it's the long stem, sort of t- multi buds. It's just a
4: stem. It yeah. does not have multi buds. It's kind of like a poppy. It has it has a very um, ne- thin petal and they're in purples reds hot pinks and they usually have black eyes sometimes they have green eyes one of the most famous ones you see in, in modern day wedding design is a white anemone with a black center that flower that you see that's white with the black center in wedding bouquets is an anemone
0: and so because it's your favorite flower is it your favorite flower to work with then Absolutely not. It doesn't, <laughs> oh, no. it
4: doesn't have shelf life. So, okay. so as far as trying to be a service, servicing your customers, you have to totally be uh, let them aware of if they're ordering the, this particular flower or we're using it, that it's going to last two, three, four days. But it's as gorgeous as it can be.
0: And what is your favorite flower to work with?
4: My favorite flower to work with is actually orchids. I love working with all different kinds of orchids. You can use orchids as full stems, like long cymbidium orchids as stems. You can take that stem and you can cut the heads off of them and you can put them in arrangements low. They have all different colors and orchids themselves have different colors as far as the petals go and and the throat. The throat can be a very different color. Um, That's particularly my favorite flower, and they last long. So
0: you feel like you're providing your customers with a value.
4: Right, which is interesting that you're saying that because that's really uh, part of the floral profession that sometimes gets overlooked. It's very important that whatever you're giving to your customers is going to last and is going to at least that they know what the shelf life would be.
0: Do, 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 do you get feedback going, oh, and I love my flower arrangement. It's so beautiful, but it also lasted so long? I mean, is that an important part of the commentary that's coming back to you?
4: The best commentary. Yeah, yeah. That's the best commentary. I Whenever really enjoyed it for a comes long time. In And says, wow, that last arrangement I had, I had on
0: my table for a week, week and a half. Can like, you take us through... The design process so I mean from the beginning from the the order comes in and you name it it's an event maybe a dinner party um, maybe I don't know something else but let's say a dinner party a customer calls what what happens is it somebody that you know or somebody that you don't know can you go through that whole process of how you design now for this dinner party
4: Right. So if a customer calls for a dinner party, the first thing that we do is obtain information. We Likewise. ask them how many people are there. Is it going to be, is it a sit down dinner? Is it not? Is is it a long, lo, a long narrow table? Is it a round table? Um, generally, what kind of a... Uh, arrangements we need to do for them and then we try to find out what room it's going in a lot of times now you can go online and you can see rooms if they're having an event in a hotel if it's in their house i may even ask them to snap a picture I was and text say, it to let's me let's say
0: it's in their
1: house just so you to,
4: just to make sure that we're, we're blending flowers that are proper for the design of the house and that is a very important skill set As well. You can't just get a call and say, Hey, I'm having a dinner party. I need a centerpiece. I mean, I guess you could do that. We can make a centerpiece for anybody, but I mean, we want the centerpiece to be looking like it was meant to be where it was
0: put. And so that's not just color, but that's also probably the style or the architecture of the apartment or the house as well, right? If you're in a contemporary, if you're a Time Warner on the penthouse floor, that flower arrangement on that dining room table. Will look different than maybe up here on the upper west side in a townhouse am i is that true yeah, a million percent and are you picking I mean, that up from the clues from the photo and from the clients Well, we do a lot of flowers
4: for clients in their homes, and every home is a different home the The idea is to learn their home. And a lot of times the designers, the interior designers, actually has given them references or sometimes we even have a chat with them to what the design of the house is looking for and exactly what they want placed in this exact spot. Other times we walk into a house or a location and say, wow, this is a um, very traditional, very old-fashioned, rich antiques, rich colors, and then we... We would make more of a traditional arrangement for that. In a modern house, we may take a clear vase and just put one type of flower in abundance of under a pin light. It's all about that. That's what we do. That's what I do.
0: Yeah, I would have to say that um, a majority of my jobs, I'm having a conversation with the florist to set them up for how the vision of the flower arrangements will work throughout the house going forward so the client isn't, In the position of having to describe something that perhaps they're not uh, prepared to or ready to do that. So I've talked to, well, I've talked to you many times, but I've talked to other florists as well. Um, So when we come back, I'm going to, Tom and I are going to talk about flowers at Christmas time because I definitely want to go beyond this. Idea of poinsettias and get ideas from Tom about flowers that can be used around our home at Christmas and bringing the beauty of outdoor into our holiday decor. So, this is at home, and we'll be back with Master Florist Tom Sackis in two minutes.
1: Wee!
2: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative
3: Radio, 24 hours a day.
0: I'm speaking to renowned florist Tom Sackis, the owner of Gramercy Park Flower Shop, which is at the Plaza Hotel in the heart of Manhattan. And Tom and I, we're gonna explore some ideas about Christmas and Christmas decorations. Tom, how are you seeing or interpreting Christmas arrangements this year? Christmas is always one of my personal favorite
4: seasons for is floral it? designing. My staff may think different because everything changes like overnight. You go from being a regular florist to being an elf, mm. um, do, using all these different materials that all of a sudden come in from nowhere and then they're they're gone a month later. Um, I personally love the season because of the branches, the ilex berries, and the birch. I love amaryllis flowers because they're really beautiful, just sit in a vase. They open up big, they last a few weeks. Um,
0: and the colors with amaryllis have changed dramatically over the last few years.
4: Yeah, I think this this week I looked, it was 56 varieties wow. that I could have ordered from. When, when I started in this business, there was red, white, pink, and maybe peach.
0: Yeah, I, do. I don't wanna get off the subject, but the we did peach, I guess, or apricot color for Thanksgiving. Uh, together for all my clients and it was pretty spectacular it was spectacular yes but please go back to christmas i don't want to (laughs) get off track but yeah so the so there's so many varieties of amaryllis do you use ever use different color of amaryllis in the same arrangement like pink going to red or red and white and and white uh, generally
4: not because they 're very demonstrative, so if I was going to do that i don 't really actually think I ever did, but yep. if I was going to do it, I would have to use four or five different varieties and colors and make it have that that kind of a dramatic effect
0: that would be the the leading uh, driver of the arrangement yeah generally when you when you arrange
4: monochromatic. Um, like you were saying that you like it all looks really good when you start doing two colors of the same flower it starts to cheapen the look of the arrangement.
0: So interesting because I don't do, I, I choose not to do that either. In other words, I don't use the same fabric on a different sofa or a different furniture silhouette because now you're just yeah, cheapening, I guess, Well, you would cheapening
4: say. or lowering the, lowering the importance that's of right. what you're looking at.
0: Yeah, so it's the same phenomenon. Here we got another chalk on the chalkboard about all of that. So you said that the busiest time of year is Thanksgiving to Christmas, right? And it really changes. Um, I want to just like, are you, is it so much that's coming from the flower market? Are you sort of requesting things outside of what perhaps is in the flower market? Um, Are you prepared um, in your design head as you get closer to Christmas, how you want Christmas to look? Just how does all of that work?
4: Well, the flowers are very different. You keep referencing a flower market. There is a flower market in New York City. It is um, 2020. percent of what it used to be we're importing flowers direct from growers all over the and world they come right into the shop right into the shop so that right is a different it's a very different way of doing business and it's it, it opened up the field to a lot more interesting things that you can get that maybe you couldn't get if you were shopping in the market
0: I don't think I knew that. That's fascinating. All right, terrific. So let's go beyond poinsettias, though. You probably do a lot of poinsettias. Why don't we say first what makes poinsettias so valuable at Christmas time, other than the tradition? And then how do you, how do you twist that up a little bit? Size, scale, color. Well, what do you do about poinsettias?
4: Okay, poinsettias are very simple. They're uh, they add wonderful festive colors to any area. I like using them in groupings. Rather, they're small poinsettias, a big poinsettias, so I like making a statement. But even just buying one poinsettia and pretty much putting it in any location is going to scream holiday. That That's why you see them all over the place. It's the holiday flower.
0: And I noticed in the shop that you have some super high or tall poinsettias as well, so you're using height as a dramatic feature as well as the color, yes? It,
4: Correct. It all depends on the space you're putting it in. Yeah, you need them in all sizes.
0: Right, to fill out. To to, fill out whatever
4: location that you're looking in. We just put on a long bar in a house. Uh, The lady doesn't really use the bar, but we just put a dozen poinsettias spread across the bar, small, about six, eight inches tall, and it looked beautiful. And what kind of containers were they in? They were in terracotta pots. And moss and...
0: Generally, yeah, yeah, hooked up the
4: right way. But yeah. a poinsettia is a poinsettia. No matter what you, <laughs> no matter what you do, what with it. It. you
0: can't gild the lily. Is that it? That's or right. Something like that. Um, is there tricks other than watering and stuff that keeps poinsettias looking good? No, most whole season? people
4: overwater poinsettias. You should really water a poinsettia about once a week and then kind of let it dry out. You don't ever want to put it by a draft, and you don't ever want to put it in extreme heat. It actually likes a cooler temperature.
0: Yeah, nothing does well by the heater. That's for sure.
4: That's correct. In the winter, all plants should be moved. And in away. New York,
0: that's a real problem because our apartments tend to be overheated a little bit. Yeah? Yep, and it's dry heat. Yeah, yeah. So good. That's a very good takeaway for that. So if we go beyond poinsettias, what kind of uh, what would we be focusing on now? What 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 other flowers or what other kind of arrangements other than amaryllis and poinsettias do you like to use at Christmas time?
4: I, honestly, David, I love traditional during Christmas. I love using roses, uh, deep red roses. I was going to say, but with you stick the with kind of the greens. color, the red colors, yeah, the, the deep reds. Sometimes we do purples with the reds um, in a European fashion. They use a lot more pinks than we do here, um, but. It's all about the Christmas greens and the Christmas uh, berries that add the texture to the arrangements that then allow you to use the regular flowers that you would use year-round and put them in a festive feeling. That, that's where the whole concept of Christmas becomes fun. I mean, you can take greens and just lay them on a mantle and then stick uh, like a 100 pine cones with it, and then stick a few amaryllis heads in it just for a party, and it looks like, wow, this is amazing looking. You can't do that any other time of the year.
0: Right. That's right. Yeah, you can't put pine bough any time of the year. other than You you can't
4: make things simple, but they have that elegant, rich look. Because of the greens and the twigs and the pine cones and everything, the flowers actually become the secondary accent
0: a lot. So for... um for the arrangements that you do for me you you like a lot of structure so i think it's going back to sort of the the twigs and the branches um correct you you uh, there's always something sort of helping the flowers uh, stand tall, or, or or a big part of the arrangement, and and I love that because there's a little bit of architecture in a flower arrangement. Is that would you call that a signature of what you do? Or
4: I I would say that's something that we do really really well. I I personally am very skilled at making very styled, very structural arrangements. I like adding old school little touches to them. But, um, like, you could take a red dogwood, which is a red branch, and you can make, actually, a grid like a lattice, and then you could just put three amaryllis at three different heights and attach it to the lattice, put uh, Christmas greens on the bottom and a a few ribbons or something, and you have, like, a drop-dead, wow, modern Christmas arrangement.
0: Yeah, with that added...
4: Because you have made an architectural design using flowers and other things
0: you were talking about using red roses and other things for christmas time because you like the tradition of of christmas would you say uh you know so like because i like monochromatic do, does christmas lend itself to being a little bit more monochromatic once you get the red emeralds and the red roses and stuff does it always does it seem to work better that way
4: yeah it seems to be mostly reds and whites um the greens and the berries add the different tones. But pretty much Christmas is red and white. A lot of people go for white and don't go for red because it's also a, uh, a seasonal thing. Christmas is Christmas. This is also a winter holiday. So a lot of people go for whites to play it safe. If they're gifting or something, they won't send red.
0: You know, when we go back to design, another kind of parallel that we have in the interior design business that you have, which is maybe different terms, but... In the floral design, you talk about proportion, you talk about scale, you talk about harmony, you talk about rhythm, you talk about balance, and the emphasis of maybe, you know, that special flower or something like that. Not much different than, you know, how we look at a home. Um, Are those elements, are they the true seven elements of good flower design?
4: Yeah, well, when you're making a flower arrangement, what you really want to do is you don't want people's eyes to focus on one particular thing within the arrangement, very similar to the way that you would design a house or, or do the interior of a room or the interior of a house. When you walk into a room, you don't want somebody to walk in and say, wow, what a beautiful bookcase. You want people to walk in and say, wow, what a beautiful room. So if you make a flower arrangement and you don't make it where flowers are facing each other and looking like they're talking (laughs) to each other, that's creating harmony where you're using different shapes and different linears within it. You you want people to look at it and have a very soothing feeling to what they're looking at as one masterpiece. Um, The younger designers that come in tend to focus on what they like and they tend to make that more demonstrative when the real goal is... The flower arrangement looks like one beautiful flower. The same way designing a home, you're designing a home. You're not designing a room or a wall.
0: I think it's just so fascinating. And would you say that through your years, you've stuck to those elements of design and and how you see a flower arrangement? They are the elements. They are the elements. I don't
4: really think that you stick to an element Mm -hmm. like that. Like if you're a really good florist, you understand all of this. And you take it or everything that you do, everything you create, every meeting you have, you're opening the doors to making sure that it's one thing that you're doing and everything matches each other. Like if you're doing an event, rather the flowers are exactly the same in one room or another room, they got to look like they're brothers or sisters. Or if the client wants you to surprise people, you can do that. But it's all that concept. It's all a one together thought process.
0: I do have one quick question before before we go to break, but that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. Do you do you have an obligation to challenge your clients to go beyond what they think that they want, and how does that play in your design head? There are
4: more than two different clients, but
0: two different clients are,
4: are, are pretty much. Let's make it simple. There's a client that knows exactly what they want, and that would then be at, me. and then as a florist, you are creating what they want. And that's where your skill set comes in, your service comes in. And that's in why and they everything. called you. Right. And then there's the other client that really doesn't know what they want, but they know what they want the outcome to look like. And then that's when you now have that free hand. I don't know if you're calling it challenging, but you have that free With hand. Artistry. It's a little bit, it's artistry totally, yes. And it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, The best ones are the clients that come in that know what they want, and then as you get to know them...
0: They allow you. They They allow you to
4: go further, and then you wow them, and they're like, wow, I didn't know I wanted that.
0: I think that's another parallel, so another chalkboard. Tom, I think we we should have planned for two hours because we could have talked all night. So thank you so much. You can follow Tom on Facebook at Gramercy Park Flower Shop. And again, you're at the Plaza Hotel, which is probably... One of the great places to be, right? As a flower flower shop owner. Remember um, to send some of your questions to me, David, at David Thiergartner Interiors. And remember to put hashtag AskDavid in the subject line. You want to stick around with us and we'll take some questions from our listeners when we come back? Sure. Terrific. We'll be back in two minutes.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
0: The best designs for your life start
2: talkingalternative.com
0: I'm talking to Tom Sackis from Gramercy Park Flower Shop at the Plaza Hotel, and we're going to take some questions. So, Tom, are you ready? Sure. Okay. The first one, this is from Jill. She says, I love the fragrance of balsam. Is there any way to keep my wreaths on the door or the Christmas tree smelling fresher longer? Do you have any tricks to keeping things f- fresher longer?
4: Hey. The only way you could really keep um, a wreath fresher a little bit longer would be to just mist it. It's pretty fresh when you get it, but generally speaking, they dry out and then you lose the fragrance a little bit and things start to shed. But if you do mist it when you get it on a daily or bi-daily basis, you'll get another day or two out of it looking fresh before it dries.
0: That's so funny because someone told me once, this has been many years ago, um, oh, you need to put that in the bathtub every day and let the branches soak. And I said to them, well, how do you put a fully decorated wreath in the bathtub and then hang it back on your door? That would be almost the ideal thing to do, but misting it is
4: really the only way to accomplish that.
0: (laughs) I just kind of looked at it like, "Uh thank you for that suggestion. This is from Nina. It's another how to keep my... Uh, things fresh it says is it true to add sugar or 7-Up to uh, flower arrangements and for that matter a Christmas tree
4: absolutely not the thing that you want to do with all fla- all water and flowers is to get the flower powder fl- any kind of powder that comes for that but uh, the real trick and here's a good one that will make everybody happy yeah
0: let's do a put just a
4: drop of bleach in the water what kills flowers is the bacteria in the water, clogs the pores. It's kind of like pores in your skins. So if you don't have the bacteria, the flowers last longer, and that's pretty much all those chemicals really do. They just keep the water clear, and you can really do it with a drop of bleach, just a drop, not a like like a in a gallon container, a half a capful.
0: Yeah, so not very much at all. But let's is that be, is that then you don't change the water ever on an arrangement, or is that a daily? change well
4: you would put the bleach in when you deal with flowers in general you really should change the water every day Th- okay. that keeps the bacteria from not growing but more important than that is cutting the flowers every day the when you cut a flower you're opening the pores uh, of of the, uh, of your skin let's compare it to that so when you first get fresh flowers you want to put it in very warm jacuzzi temperature water in order to force the water up the stem into the foliage into the head of the flower that will create the flower from opening a lot of people get roses and they cut them and put them in cold water and then a day later they droop over yeah well if you jumped in a cold jacuzzi you, you wouldn't like it either right <laughs> so as they open you then put them in room temperature water moving forward
0: well i have two more questions that go with that is that true is the bleach true for christmas trees too Yes, it is. Oh, that's really incredible, valuable information. Now, but Like
4: I said, for Christmas trees the uh, and any of it, the floral chemical is better. It does have some additives that forces the water up the stem. The idea is to get the water to go from the bottom to the flower head. So that's what that chemical does, but that's also what clean water does and warm water does.
0: And it's warm, it's like uh, to-the-touch warm water, not hot. Right whereas when I cut my dahlias um it's it's hot water I've boiled water brought them out brought it in a pitcher out to my garden and by that time it's just off boil but I immediately cut the stem and put it in that hot boiling water Some
4: flowers take that well some don't yeah. So you you got to really know what flowers do well with that or not. Roses, particularly, lukewarm water, and most flowers are lukewarm water. Yeah,
0: okay, that's good,
4: really good. Tulips, just so I know tulips is a favorite. I'm giving it to you now. Tulips only need about an inch or an inch and a half of water. If you put too much water in any flower that has a soft stem the flower will die. The problem comes if you get a really fresh bunch of tulips and you put an inch and a half of water in it, the next morning there's no water. So most people don't do that because they're busy and they forget to fill it up and when they come home the flowers are dead because they have no water. But that really makes the flowers last longer. Any flower with a soft stem only needs an inch or two of water.
0: Wow, what a takeaway. That makes me think. I wanted to ask you about tulips at Christmas time. Do you use red or white tulips at Christmas time? Totally.
4: Tulips are becoming in full season right now this is this is when the dutch people grow gray tulips starting in the beginning of december
0: because I, I you know some of these things we're so used to having it per season right tulips are spring and we move on but i'm really noticing that all flowers depending on the color are used all the time
4: they're growing them all over the world is that a now? big
0: difference than when you first started huge um wait let's talk because we talked a little bit before we got over just Tell everybody what the big difference between, um, you know, 20 years ago and now in the flower industry. You were talking to me about individual wrapping uh, wire around each flower. Well, make the, the
4: skill set of floral designers has actually become less. Well, I'm talking about the general designers that work in stores. That's happened because of a, a few different reasons. W- one reason would be. Because being a floral designer is not necessarily a career that people are coming out of school saying that they want to do in this they're day and age. They're not doing it 40 years like you are. Yeah. Right. So the, so they're moving on. The, the floral designers like trying it and then they move on. So you never really have somebody there long enough to train them. Another So when that started happening, the floral industry came up with shortcuts like... Um, When I first started in this business many years ago, every wedding bouquet we made was hand-wired. Every piece of green, every flower bud, everything. A wedding bouquet used to take a designer one and a half to two to three hours to make depending upon how intricate it is. Now they've come up with bouquet holders or they come up with the design of a handheld bouquet which decreases the time of a designer and the skill set to have to make which just kind of naturally worked with the way the business we, you know, move forward,
0: fascinating, fascinating. Well, we got tons of questions coming in because I think you started something here. But this is interesting. What is the most unusual color scheme of a arrangement you've done for Christmas time outside? I guess of the red and the white and the green. Can you think of maybe something unusual color story that you did for somebody for Christmas? We
4: actually just did a a couple of really beautiful all-purple arrangements. I would love that. Purple looks really pretty with these dark greens. Any kind of jewel tones actually bend themselves well with this. What doesn't really work that well in Christmas with the Christmas holiday accents is pastels. You hardly ever see that. You'll see more demonstrative colors.
0: Yeah, but dual tones, that sounds fantastic, right? Yeah, like deep purples,
4: rust, oranges, deep reds, deep rose tones.
0: Unbelievable, Tom. Thank you again. It's been such an incredible joy. Um, I think we should try to do this in the spring and talk about flowers at springtime. Would be great.
4: Would love to. We also do urban landscaping, so that's a whole other uh, a whole another conversation, conversation to have conversation
0: in its own. Well, I appreciate it. It's been quite fun. Thank you so much. And I learned a couple things that I had no idea about, so I always love that. So bonus points for me. Um, but thank you. I appreciate it. I want to thank everybody here. Thank at you, David. Talk right. Dot NYC. schoolhouse productions number six I couldn't do it without you and I wouldn't want to try Ben Keegan for all of my music and remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI and I forgot that we had so many of Tom's flower arrangements on Instagram so take a look at that and, and enjoy some of the beautiful beautiful designs that Tom um, has shown there on my Instagram account take a look at my website interiors.com and I didn't mention your website, which is Gramercy...
4: GramercyFlowers.com.
0: Just no flower shop.
4: No ParkFlowershop.com. You can do that also, but we shortened it, so it's GramercyFlowers.com.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that's easy enough. Yeah. Yep. They'll both probably come up, right? They will. Yeah. Remember to stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, and until next year... On the radio, remember that the best designs for your life start at home. Have a holly jolly Christmas It's the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow But have a cup of cheer Have a holly jolly Christmas
2: And when you walk down the street Say hello to friends you know and everyone you
4: meet. Oh, oh, the mistletoe hung where you can see. Somebody waits for you. Kiss her once for me.
2: You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
1: Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at
2: Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place.
3: Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakin, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc.